Hi everyone, I'm Mariana. I'm the Evaluation Policy and Impact Officer at Best Beginnings and I'm here with Nilu. Hi everybody, I'm Nilushka and I'm the Head of Evaluation, Impact and Policy at Best Beginnings and I also had a baby September 2021, um, baby Isla. So I'm really happy to be here. Hello and welcome back to the Lockdown Babies podcast. I'm Philippa Giu and after my own baby was born in July 2020, I've been sharing the remarkable stories of the families who had their little ones during the middle of a global pandemic. We've cried together, laughed together, got angry together, all as we looked back on one of the most unforgettable times in our lives. Now, one thing that struck me during the interviews I've done so far was the recurring themes that came up time and time again. The isolation, the lack of support, the fear, the resentment about what we went through. So as we head into the next chapter of the podcast, I'm going to be exploring some of those themes with the help of professionals. I'll be speaking to researchers, scientists, charities and midwives, all as we try to piece together what our future looks like, both for us as parents who experienced having a baby during the pandemic, but also for our lockdown babies. Ladies, thank you so much for being here. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the important work you've been doing and more about the work of the charity Best Beginnings. But before we get into all that, Nalushka, I know you had your own lockdown baby. So I think it's worth asking a bit more about your experience. What do you remember about September 2021 when baby Isla came into the world? That's a really quite good question. Um, and also what I can remember from that time, because it gets really hazy after a certain point. So I think I've been working in the space for like the past six years. So I think I was, I thought I kind of knew what to expect. I have the best access for the to resources, to people who kind of know the ins and outs and things to expect. And even just working on the Babe Buddy app, we just know, okay, these are different things to expect. Um, and of course, with the pandemic and with everything that comes with COVID, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a public health and mental health person by background. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gearing up knowing that it's going to be a different experience. But actually going through it is a whole different thing. You just realize, and when you start feeling all of these anxieties about anxieties and uncertainties that come with not just pregnancy, but with COVID, right? So if I just, everything just gets kind of amplified within your experience and then I think the sort of fear and anxiety was obviously quite heightened for me as well because I it's not only like you know everything can go you know things that can go wrong with the pregnancy but you have COVID to also worry about so yeah it was it was really interesting and I just I think I focused a lot on the positive just because I think I was more prepared to look at it from like just protecting my mental health and um, making sure that I make the best and best informed decisions that I can. And sometimes like also accepting that, you know, your birth story, your birth plan are all things that you kind of, that will evolve with the baby as well. Um, Because I feel like Isla had her own plan. She still reminds me of it to this day. So I think it's just constantly, I had to look at things and reminding myself that I'm a mum now. I'm not the head of evaluation. I'm not a researcher here. I'm a mum who's entitled to feel all these feelings and that's okay. And I think that was the biggest learning for me is just like take my researcher hat off. Just in like A, enjoy the experience, but also like feel the or feel all the emotions and feel all of it. So yeah, I think um, that was what our lockdown baby uh, experience has been like 
it's still it's still a journey. It's really interesting to hear you talk about it because I guess you wouldn't have even been pregnant at the start of all of this. So you were looking into, you know, COVID, the impacts of COVID on pregnant women long before you were even pregnant. Yeah, so the lockdown babies report, so babies in lockdown was in 2020 and we actually got married in 2020. And then, um, yeah, I, I found out that I was pregnant like early 2021 and the first thing was like, I just remembered all the survey findings of like, um, and you know, your brain just goes at like at a different pace in, in addition to everything that comes with, you know, surprise, uh, surprises of pregnancy and like the anxieties and difficulties of the first trimester. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. I think it's a lot of information just because that's what I'm exposed to and that's what I had to do for my work. And that's what I also love to do. But also I had to really step back. I think the first trimester tiredness really helps you take a step back and be like, okay, you need to know that you're pregnant. So <laughs> take it easy. Yeah. And were you heavily impacted in terms of your pregnancy and birth and afterwards by COVID restrictions? Or was that not really something that had that affected you by then? Because we were into, you know, September 2021 by this point. Yeah, I think I was... I actually spent most of my time at home. My entire pregnancy was at home. I had a, I had a virtual baby shower. Um, people just, so for in the South Asian culture, you, people just send you a lot of food. And I had gestational diabetes, so I had to like space out my food. <laughs> You're like, I can't eat this. <laughs> yeah, I can't eat a lot of them, but I could just nibble on a lot of, uh, so my, my partner, Dylan, he had, a, he had a really good feast uh, almost every day. But I mean, a lot of it was just virtual, even though we had, we could go out we could like mingle in in certain limited capacities you're still really scared just because the the nature of the virus is so unpredictable and the issue with covid is like the public health person in me is like you don't know the long-term effects and that's was that was in my head so that i didn't know how to navigate it so i guess i was like okay you know what i'm thinking for my baby i want her to be able to get the best chance from the current evidence we have so I was just I restricted myself as much as I could but of course there's also like a balance right so I did we went on like a very mid-short trip and just made sure we could do certain things in our own bubble at least so that we could enjoy the expectations like enjoy pregnancy and kind of think about it in a positive way as much as we could without always thinking oh man I was just home such a balance isn't it I think especially when you do have so much knowledge about a subject I kind of relate to that in a way because when I was pregnant I was reading the news and it was reading COVID it was all the COVID news all the information I was like the expert on on COVID and you do then don't you become consumed by it and it's hard to kind of separate your your work life from your real life and yes I was reading the absolute worst of the world but that's not necessarily true of you know of everything so I totally relate to that it's a really 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 tricky tricky balance yeah and especially when you have to do that as your job like I need to be informed as much as I could and also I've one of my master's assignments was like pandemic um like wow yeah I had to I had to study like the mathematical modeling of like how influenza viruses you know some really complicated thing but I knew about pandemics before this sort of happened so then all of those sort of stuff that I've studied just comes crashing through and yeah and I also think like 
amount of information that came through was it's also really overwhelming it's it's just what it is i feel uh, sometimes you just have to be like okay this is where i draw the line i feel i stopped reading about covid updates after the first trimester or second trimester i was like no nope, that's it also it's not just covid i feel other parts of other really scary parts of pregnancies like baby loss and things that you are really worried about miscarriage in the first trimester and i had to go for like miscarriage briefings because as you know we, we were, that's part of our work and i found those to be quite difficult yeah and then i was like okay this is where i'm drawing the line this is where how it's affecting me so then i was able to communicate that and make sure that i also think about how i feel during this process really interesting to hear to hear your take on all of that so before we learn about some of the work that Best Beginnings has done in this space and continues to do in this space. Just for anybody who doesn't know, just tell us a little bit about the organization and and what what you do. Best Beginnings is a national charity based in the UK and we create resources. We co-create resources with parents and healthcare professionals to basically support parents from conception onwards during that transition to parenthood. And we take a specific focus on inequalities and um, we try to use behavior change frameworks and sort of really look at how to be equitable uh, in all the work we do. So we invest a lot in learning about the different communities that are in the UK, who's accessing care, who's not accessing care. So that's kind of what drives us. And that's the passion is, is inequalities. And our flagship resource is the Baby Buddy app. So Baby Buddy app is basically a pregnancy and early parenthood app that is co-produced by parents and healthcare professionals. We have an editorial board made up of uh, colleges and we have a parent panel that is now over, over, I think, 300 parents who kind of feed into the work we do. And then we obviously work because digital, we, we have the app, but digital doesn't do itself. So we work with communities to think about how this app is applicable to their sort of ways of navigating the transitions to parenthood. So that's, in essence, what we do. <laughs> when you first got word of the pandemic and we kind of started to hear that this this virus, this coronavirus was bubbling away in China, and then we started to hear word of it kind of spreading to, to the UK and, and to, you know, across the world, to Europe and America... At that point, did your shift, as in best beginning shift, shift to that, okay, there's this virus, it's coming, we we don't know what's going to happen, but we start to think about parents and babies, or were you not quite there yet? When did it sort of switch that you think, okay, we need to think about how this is going to impact people now? I think actually when the first lockdown really happened, we were we were already sort of aware of the power of digital. I think we've kind of really looked at how accessible resources and information can be for parents if it's properly advocated for, if health professionals feel um, supported in their work to have these conversations with parents and signposts saying, read, read the information here and then come back to me, you know, strengthen those relationships. So we had a really good understanding of what the app could do. But of course, I think there's still a, like an uncertain element of COVID because we were unsure of what the impact of the virus. So the app, yes, is a tool for information, but we couldn't really put any information in unless it's verified by and verified and you know evidence-based and really ready to go. 
But we did see one of the biggest hikes in our app downloads in April 2020. So just as the um, lockdown started, we saw like one of the highest spikes in our registrations, which, which, which shows, I think, that people were looking, people are looking for information and they need that support. But of course, in the world of millions of pregnancy apps, we need to understand, we need to figure out how to uh, help and support people to make the best decision for themselves and get the right information. Yeah, that's so interesting that you'd seen that spike, but also it was that time where we didn't know really what the impacts of COVID were. We didn't have vaccinations. We didn't have testing. We kind of knew what the symptoms were, that the temperature, the cough. We didn't know how pregnant women were affected at that time. There wasn't enough research. There was very little information out there. I remember even up to the July when I had my baby in July 2020, you know, I was Googling every day, like what was the guidance for pregnant women? And there really just wasn't any. So I guess you're at a loss. What do we even put on this app? Because there is no information. Yeah, we just started signposting people to things we know that could help navigate anxiety, navigate difficult circumstances, navigate uncertainty that comes with uh, COVID, I think. So it was mainly to, so we have a significant focus on mental health. And that's something that we want to sort of promote from the app. Uh, We have like hundreds of clips around identifying mental health symptoms and signs and then how to support yourself finding uh, resources in your area keeping track of your feelings like really you know understanding how you are feeling during the pregnancy and also how covid's making you feel as well so that you can have the conversations with your healthcare provider um, and really make sure that you're getting the care you need or you're voicing your experience to make sure that you know it's heard so what we were doing was we were looking at the exercise videos. So we had like how to stay healthy at home, or what exercises can you do? And also really like think about the mental health content and how we can support people in that way. We have a 24-7 crisis text messenger, so which was really useful to also uh, signpost to parents um, because we've, we were all feeling it. I think like because of our parent panel, I think it really helped us understand what parents were feeling so because that voice is I think very core and uh, cuts cuts through all the work we do it was a little bit that shared anxiety that shared understanding was there through what we were trying to do but of course like and also saying we actually like we actually also don't know right now and this is what we're trying to do in this space to help support um so yeah what you're saying about kind of having that transparency and actually saying we don't know yet you know we're all in this together because also you'd probably all been sent home to work from home or all our lives had been flipped upside down and we were all trying to figure it out no matter what your job was where you were in the world everybody was in the same boat and actually just to say we're trying to to figure everything out it must have been such a weird time for you to try and juggle you know your own feelings but also trying to make sure that you know women and families who were pregnant had that support as well if that makes sense I was gonna say that I think it was the double whammy of the uncertainty of COVID and the uncertainty of pregnancy as well um, and parenting but it was also you know, as a charity and as people that have been in this sphere and have worked in this field for a little bit, we also knew that this was a very crucial moment for us to act and to come in. And we knew that we needed to provide some support because 
bringing everybody home and with suddenly there's this really scary virus out there that's keeping you inside um, with likely little to no support. We knew that the people that already were struggling to access that support now needed us probably more than ever. So it was about kind of being able to say, yeah, we don't really know exactly what is going on. So we can't provide you support there, but here's what the support we can provide you. And that was exactly what Neela said, how to stay healthy at home, how to, you know, where to go to look for those resources. So it was really about, again, keeping that focus in the inequalities that already existed. So in a way, our focus, I don't think, shifted. If anything, we honed in on that a lot more because we knew the people that probably weren't accessing and were struggling to access services before were now struggling even more. Yeah, and that's a really, really good point. Just on the same note, I think digital poverty really came through as a theme for us. So... I mean, we have a digital health app, but it was a really interesting time for us to be like, oh, okay, we've all been sent home, but now we know what it's like to really have technology as the main way of connecting with people. And that means connecting with your midwife, connecting with your health visitor, and also a wider support network that you would be having when you're pregnant and that you would want, you know, that you want, if your friend is pregnant as well, you can't share that pregnancy now, you're just basically in your own homes kind of going through. So I think the theme digital poverty and like what the, and how inequality is kind of really impact that space and what does it mean to really know how to use tech and tools that are probably not something that you would have used before and also like data protection safety all of that like really came through as a learning experience for us as a charity and and I think the inequalities lens became I think that really good point Marie like that was one of the bigger enlightening like experience that we had was that people who are poor who are in the low socioeconomic status who are not in specific spaces were just being excluded a lot more than we expected so you ended up producing the report lockdown babies tell me a bit about how that came about so we as a charity we really believe in like collaborative partners. So we work very closely with Homestart, Parent Infant Foundation, uh, and over conversations. And I think it was mainly driven by our CEO, who's Alison. And uh, I think those conversations really highlighted that, okay, there's parents that work and access services and who don't, who aren't, and that are, so we are all trying to support, but we really don't know what the underlying actual problems are. So it was, so the lockdown babies, a babies in lockdown report came from that need to really know what's happening within our parent community communities and figuring out how the, and so because there's a significant quantitative part. So we are trying to really understand through the data about how different demographic variables, like your, um, whether you're a first-time parent, second-time parent, whether you are already pregnant or whether you already have a baby, how all of this is playing out for you. And also not just impact on parents, but also impact on the baby. Because we are always like, okay, my child was supposed to be playing out in the in the playground and now they can't play and they can't socialize. What is the impact of that? So we wanted to really get an understanding of 
what's really happening. Uh, so this was a jo- like a joint effort through all, all three organizations where we just really pulled it together to understand what's happening. And that was really insightful because we surveyed over 5,000 parents. It was a really good piece of work that showed us the importance of mental health support during the first lockdown. And what were those parents that you surveyed, what were they telling you? They told us a lot of things, honestly. We surveyed things from behavioral aspects, like behavioral changes of your baby, but also like parental physical and mental health and really trying to get in, get a holistic understanding of how parents were doing during this pandemic and with the uncertainty. What they essentially told us was that they were not okay, but they were trying to cope. Mental health heightened anxiety was actually one of the more cross-cutting themes, but also like uh, in accessibility to services, the discrepancy between like the expectations that you had and now you're like, the, your your healthcare system is now overburdened because there is a, the pandemic is a health problem. So how do, how is that going to play out for you? So uh, honestly, it was a really good way of understanding what parents were going through in terms of accessing services, their sort of systemic challenges, also working from home, navigating being with your partner there was there was also like in the in the background two babies in lockdown we were also aware that you know domestic violence intimate partner violence were also like heightened during this period because people were all home so we we were mindful of the impact on mental health of parents but also what consequences it could have on pregnancy uh, pregnancy outcomes and also how you parent your child so yeah I hope that was that kind of gave you a taste of what the report, long report said. It does. And it's it's really interesting to hear you list some of those findings, because as you know, I've been interviewing new mums and families of people who had babies during the pandemic. And it's the same themes that keep coming up, you know, these feelings of isolation in pregnancy, the lack of support, the lack of support from family, because obviously we weren't allowed to see family and also the lack of support from health workers midwives it's yeah it's those same themes that keep coming up and and I think those themes seem to have also been reflected in the work that you did as well and what parents were telling you at that time and I think that what you said about the fact that parents said they were struggling but they were trying to cope is just so profound because that's it isn't it you think oh I can't I don't want to ring my doctor and tell them I'm having a hard time because they're they're overwhelmed and the services can't cope and they don't need me going on about how anxious I am and I think that feeling that you didn't want to add more pressure to the system that was already buckling so many parents felt that I think the the other part of coping is also I think there's a amazing part of human beings where you're sort of resilient, right? There's, there's the resilience in all of us. And there was uh, parents who also told us about like the positives of having, of being able to stay at home and experience pregnancy and early parenthood with your partners. And you don't, you're not, you don't have to commute to work. You don't have to be at work, you know, and do all of that. So like, and also more, more playtime with your toddlers because parents actually got the opportunity to sit down and play with their kids, you know? So I think that those were themes that came through that it was a mixed experience, but one of, I think the, anxiety and we did qualitative interviews as well uh it's been the first study which was then followed up with the follow-up study one year on and it was just really just how people were viewing the uncertainty of this experience and then also like 
I think Mariana can kind of pick up from here where how that uncertainty can linger and it can really change how you view accessing services and that's going to differ from depend on your previous exposure and empower health empowerment as a whole I feel yeah so Mariana talk to me about the the follow-up review one year on then so you went back to these parents and asked them you know how are you doing now it's been a year yeah that's exactly what we did we went through kind of all the parents that responded to the survey and that were interviewed and the ones that consented to being followed up on we kind of picked up the phone and called them (laughs) Uh, we sent emails we went through consent forms, everything, because we wanted to make sure that these parents, obviously we wanted to hear as many voices as we could, but we wanted to make sure that they were okay with it because we know that some experiences are traumatic, they are difficult. We know that some things don't want to, parents don't necessarily want to relive and we wanted to be really sensitive to that and allow for that space and hold that space for them. It was actually me um, and a couple of my colleagues that called these parents. We kind of booked in these interviews for an hour. Some of them went on for an hour and a half because parents had so much to say. Others went on for a little bit shorter because they didn't have as much to share. But all in all, it was the same kind of themes that were going on and it was the same kind of things that were coming up even in June, July, August of last year when supposedly restrictions were lifted and suddenly, supposedly services were getting back to normal or at least that's what we heard in the news. But then in reality, that that wasn't happening for most people. Uh, and what we found even was that there was so much variation postcode to postcode in terms of accessing service, in terms of health visiting, in terms of midwives, in terms of you know even going to your GP. It was all very, very different. And the title of the report to me really encompasses everything that we spoke about. The one year on report is called No One Wants to See My Baby. That is a direct quote from one of the moms that we interviewed uh, where she felt like she couldn't be heard by anyone. She was kind of shouting into the void and there was no one shouting back. That was a really difficult interview for someone like me who has no you know parenting or breastfeeding experience but who has been hearing these parents give their testament and kind of the testimony and what they've done and what how they've coped um, especially and then you're kind of left feeling a little bit helpless almost because you understand that you know health visitors are not still not back to normal that accessing those kinds of services is still not the same as it was and even before when it wasn't perfect because we know nothing can be now it was that was even worsened if that makes sense but that report is you know it's a really difficult read but a really important one Uh, and it was actually picked up by the backbench uh, business debate in parliament which was for us to know that we're being heard by the actual, you know, policymakers and people that can actually make a change because we can pull up all this research and put it together and speak to parents um, and try and give them a voice. But if we don't get that to the ears and mouths of the people that can actually make a change, that can actually say this needs to change and here's what we're doing to do that, then, you know, our research wouldn't be valuable if we didn't get there. But fortunately, it's getting out there and it's through 
you know, us talking about it and not letting it die in a way and, and coming on your podcast and, and speaking about this, even as the pandemic is quote unquote over, uh, which we don't think it is clearly, but it's it's so important to keep the conversation going. No, honestly, that you've just like put the words into my mouth because that's exactly it. And that's kind of why I started this podcast because it had been two years since we first got told to isolate. I was still hearing from mum friends and, you know, different people in society that they weren't able to get a doctor for their child. They couldn't see a doctor. They'd never been weighed. You know, their baby had never been weighed, never seen a health visitor in person person and I just kind of thought this is not right and you know I thank you so much for the the amazing work that you're doing I just I think it's difficult because services are trying to get back to normal and I think professionals are doing the best they can and I think that's what's frustrating as well because clearly there's so many people that are being overlooked or even left out or excluded because they can't access that and we also know from this report and other studies that you know virtual support can help but it's not everything when it comes to looking at baby's milestones a survey that you tick is not enough you kind of need that human interaction you kind of need that professional to come in and build that relationship with the parents to be able to determine you know are the milestones being reached is this baby healthy and I think that also the fact that that is not happening or you know it's not happening at full capacity and not back to normal and I say that with quotation marks around it um, I think that also increases that worry and anxiety in parents because you know if you're a first-time mum and this is what some mums were telling me when I when I rang them for this report is as a first-time mum I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking out for. The information is so conflicting. If I don't have the help of a professional there that knows what to look out for, how am I supposed to know if my baby is, you know, grabbing things in the way that they're supposed to at the time they're supposed to, or looking around or identifying emotions or laughing or clapping, you know, all those little things that we want babies to be able to do at the right time to know that they're healthy and to know that they're doing okay. So that wasn't happening. It was really difficult to reconcile, you know, our want to make that better, but also our knowing that we can't at the moment, us as individuals, me as Mariana, Nilu as Nilu, we can't do personally anything to help other than put these voices together and get them to the places where they need to be heard. I think one of the things that I keep hearing from mums that I interview is that even now it's been so long like we've said and you know only still only one parent could go in A&E only one parent can accompany their child to a to a doctor's appointment or whatever and I think I think everybody's just kind of wondering why why am I allowed into Wembley Stadium with 100,000 people or why can I go and watch my favorite comedian or pop star or why can I go out to a restaurant or to a party but I can't be with my child both parents can't be with their child and I think everybody's just wondering why and I know you don't have the answers right it's it's inconsistent frankly it's it's inconsistent it's it's almost so frustrating um and understand that uh, my cousin actually just gave birth two weeks ago um so not in the midst of the first lockdown or second lockdown but you know still with covid around and her partner couldn't make it in because their covid tests were booked for two days later and as we know labor is unpredictable and she went into labor before predicted so that was also i i can 
imagine and I heard her saying how frustrating that was um, I think when we talk about support we can't just talk about of course professional support is really important and medical support is incredibly valuable and important but we can't just talk about that we have to talk about at the time of the second lockdown when you could meet with one other person outside you couldn't go into baby groups you know you couldn't visit your family that would probably give you support in a different context and in a different time um, I think that support was also important and should have been I don't know how to how to say it I think it should have been reinforced that that needed to continue happening we know it couldn't because you know again COVID is unpredictable and there were rules in place but the rules were inconsistent and that's what's so frustrating is that you want to get that support from your friends your family who ordinarily would have been there for you but you couldn't so unfortunately I don't have the answer Um, I just have an immense amount of frustration on parents behalf (laughs) because I hear you and I understand um, and I wish I could do something to help. Well you are like you are doing amazing work in this space and honestly it doesn't go unrecognized and unnoticed and it's so so needed you know we've talked about anxiety and this feeling of anxiety and actually one of the mums that I interviewed for for one of the episodes Polly she said to me is this new anxious me? Am I always going to be like this? You know, is it because of COVID or is it because I'm a new mum or is it this combination of of both? I think it's unrealistic to expect parents and everyone really to be okay in the world that we're living in right now, not just with the pandemic, but with everything else that we hear in the news. And then with all of that combined with, you know, the lack of support um, or the perceived lack of support from certain parents or certain people, I think it's really unrealistic to expect ourselves to be okay. Even us as researchers, sometimes we, you know, we stumble and we, we have to kind of take care of our own mental health as well, because it's inevitable to run into difficult experiences when you research this kind of milestone of life but you know hopefully it won't be a forever thing I would like to think I don't know Neelu what do you think I would like to think this is not forever I think I think we're gonna go through waves of difficult times as human beings and I think this is just my approach to life and that kind of we're gonna have difficult periods and then we're gonna have really amazing and we're going to adapt and I really truly believe that humans do have the ability to adapt but we also need to be aware of what needs to be done so I think the other perspective is that just throwing another sort of layer to what we're talking about because while we are advocating and really so as a charity I think as an organization what we really want to do is to hone in on the parent experiences and the diverse experiences that we could be having, which is during the pandemic and then everything that everything else, because we are all, we all have different parenting journeys, but also being mindful of the system we are working within, how strained and overworked our health visitors and midwives and, you know, earliest professionals really are. And of course, the strain strain on the of the pandemic on our services, because the ongoing impact of the services, it's not going to just stop when the COVID rates go down, because our midwives and health visitors, our nurses are going to, our doctors are going to be really recovering from something that they were not prepared for. Our systems and 
services were not prepared for delivering during a global pandemic of any nature and that and that varies across the world but i think within the uk we were really comfortable in you know giving antenatal classes having children centers having baby and mum groups and really knowing okay we are trying to support parents and we have existing methods of communicating that to parents the uncertainty was not only just for parents it's also for healthcare providers who are like trying to be like all right i can't go meet the mums i'm supposed to go meet well, what do i do i also don't have an ipad or a device that helps me download the information and that works everywhere digital poverty is not just like digital issues and tech issues are not just for a certain layer of people or for certain parents or whatever it's 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 kind of it's a systemic issue probably highlighted in different ways so it's it's also just being mindful of how the system and how our parents and that communities kind of interact but also how how we can support that interaction because by having an app that maybe has information then you know okay mom this is a place that you can go do this 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 because this is how you are at the moment this is what you're going through or this is how i understand you so it's about strengthening that relationship but there's a lot of people trying to unpick and understand what happened during the pandemic i feel like you know there are there are two sides of anxiety right there's one part that's preparing you for like war <laughs> in this case like a pandemic but the other side that's going to be difficult for you to experience and if you don't um navigate it properly so i think it's just being aware that if the services and how we respond to parents needs to also evolve understanding all the inequalities that happened uh, in in also expression of mental health issues and hopefully we'll have we'll be more better prepared for whatever that comes what lessons do you do you hope have been learned and and think need to be learned no, I, I do want to echo what Neelu was saying and what I think was at the root of it, but she didn't quite say the word and I was waiting for it. I think, Neelu, what you mean is that there is hope. You know, there are all these people, there are all these people working, you know, whether that's quite publicly or privately, we're putting in the work to support parents. And while there's no one to blame, at the moment, there is quite a few people to put your hope on. So I just I just want to make that very clear and and kind of put I, I would put best beginnings on that list of people and of groups to put your hope on because we're definitely trying our best in putting in the work. And there's so many other organizations out there and even the NHS themselves, they're trying to do so much at the moment to, you know, come out that other end. So I guess, yeah, one of the lessons that I think should stay and should stick is that even though that so much went wrong, there is a lot to hope for, definitely. Not to be a cliche. And I also think the learnings have been as an organization, but also like being people who've experienced. So we have all experienced it, but we're also trying to make things better is to really, I think, not hold back in advocacy. Like us doing these reports, us really getting out there, pushing the boundaries and saying, no, we want to do this. We want uh, the voices of people we represent heard. Uh, And then like government to support local services, local authorities and invest in the early years. Really like it it kind of led to an early years review. We we then we had some really good we had uh, so 
part of Andrea Letson's earlier early years review, we kind of facilitated roundtables with four moms from um, like Black, Asian and other minority ethnic groups so, so that the voices that we know aren't usually being included and aren't being like heard in certain spaces, we, it's just really not holding back on the advocacy piece, but also recognizing sometimes the collective or collective outcome that can come, there's also that there's a collective response that can happen. So we, can't, we don't have someone to blame, but we have, again, because there are lots of different things that happens in a pandemic, but there's also lots of different ways that support can manifest in. And for us to be able to recognize that from a level of a parent, from level from, and also the perspective of the healthcare staff, and really supporting that, but also recognizing, okay, we got these two, but how do we now go up? How do we push that policy agenda? How do we, who do we speak to? And having that momentum, I think the pandemic gave us that momentum that like, you know what, like, I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation and really like thinking about parenting because I feel like there's also like parenting is like, oh yeah, you're pregnant. Everybody goes through this. You know, there's also this sort of, it's a really normal thing. But for somebody who's really going through it, you're like, this is not normal. Like I'm not taught to be a parent. Nobody gives you a book on parenting saying this is how to parent your child. It's a significant life's transition that needs more focus and more understanding and more support from so many levels, from having breastfeeding spaces and breastfeeding support to like understanding risks to parenting and all of that. So I think it's an opportunity than more than anything for us to really showcase what an important transition parenthood is to people. And as human beings, we need to be far more accommodating in, in so many different spaces to be able to really give children the best start. A huge thank you to Nalushka and Mariana from the charity Best Beginnings for taking the time to tell us about their really important work. I've left links to the charity and the Babies in Lockdown report in the description box if you want to check them out. And if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, please do take a second to rate and review the show as it really helps new people find us. I'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Bye bye for now.